looking at Genesis chapter 11 today, starting in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Uh, if you have a, an iPhone or I'm not sure what other kind of devices are out there, but uh, there's also going to be on the screen, you can follow along with us there. Verse 1, chapter 11, Genesis. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. As people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitium for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do would now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their, their language so that they may not be understood one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left the, off the building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us and for this time that we have together this morning to worship you. And I, I just thank you for the changing of seasons. And Father, I, I thank you for the, the, the chilly morning that we have this morning and the heat that we have in here today. Father, I just, I thank you for our different elements of worship that we've experienced today. The singing of songs, the giving of gifts, the prayers that have been lifted up. And now as we come and we look at your word, Father, I pray that you would give us the grace that we need to hear a message from you. Lord, I, uh, I recognize that I have a part in that. And so if you would, forgive me, Lord, of my sin and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way that brings honor and glory to your name in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal in their relationship with you. Father, if there's someone here today that has never given their life over to you, never admitted they are a sinner, never believed that Jesus is the Son of God, never confessed or confessed Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I, I pray that today would be that day. I pray that they would give over their life, that they would submit to you. For the believer that's here today, I, I ask that you would give them the grace to, to hear you clearly today. To know your will. To know the next step they are to take in their walk with you. That you would give them, Lord, the, the grace that they need to be obedient, to be faithful, and that they would feel you piercing their heart. And they would respond. Lord, 
Lord Jesus, we love you and pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, God, the God of all creation wants to be near you. The God of all creation wants to be near you. The God of all creation wants to be near you. Who do you want to be near? I, uh, I feel just absolutely blessed that I get to spend as much time as I do with my family. And uh, sometimes I wish I, I spent more, you know, and, uh, but honestly and truthfully, I, I really feel blessed for the time that I have with them. I'm not sure who needs to hear this, but with the holidays coming around the corner, it is good for your health to be near your family. It's good for you. At least according to Google, it is. Here are just a few benefits to being near your family. And as you sit around the table with your family over Thanksgiving or Christmas, remember these benefits, okay? The first is that it improves your mental health. It helps your children to perform well academically. It boosts your self-confidence. I mean, around your family, you think, well, at least I'm not that bad, right? I mean, I... Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's only funny because it's true, okay? It helps your kids learn future skills. It promotes adaptability and resilience. It enhances your physical health. It lengthens your life expectancy. God wants to be near you. Who do you want to be near? Yesterday was the opening morning of deer season for using a rifle. It was bitterly cold. Uh, I mean, a slow day for me in the woods. I know some of you all had some luck, and, but I, not, I didn't have much activity. You know, does and small bucks and, and a lot of wind. And uh, one time I, I changed stands just to be able to, I could, I could go to sit in my truck for 30 minutes with a heater on. I was just cold. Uh, I'm on my way home, uh, I got a, a text message from a good friend, an old friend of mine really, and uh, I used my Apple CarPlay to, to read the message back to me, and he was sharing with me the good news that he shot his first buck. And uh, you could tell he was super excited, and he sent a picture, and I, I really honestly, truthfully, didn't, didn't look at it a whole lot, you know, it wasn't, uh, not the... Not that it wasn't important, just but what was more important was how excited my friend was. You know, I mean, kind of exciting for me because he used a rifle that I sold him to, you know, and so just, it's his first deer. And so I, I called him and I just, I wanted to, I wanted to be, you know, I couldn't be there, there in person, but I wanted to, to hear his story. I wanted to be there for him during this time of joy. So I called him and we, I, he shared the story with me, and I asked questions, and I, I listened to him, and I, I genuinely was happy for my, I still, I mean, I'm happy for him. And when my friends do well in life, whether it's they get the, the job that they wanted, they, they've, they married the right person, they had a, a child, I mean, whatever the situation, they bought their house, they, 
I, 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 I'm generally excited for, like I, I want to be there in those moments and be able to share with them the same joy that they have. I want to be near them one way or another. I want to be their friend. God wants to be near you. Who do you want to be near? In our passage of Scripture for today, it may appear that God doesn't want to be near, but I think that you will see that through God's word, that's not true. It might even appear that these people wanted to be near to God. That's why they built this tower, this city. I think you'll see that that's not true either. God wants to be near you. We will see throughout this passage today that the God of all creation wants to be near his people. Verse 1. The whole earth had one language and the same words and as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. Until this point, the descendants of Noah were still living on the mountain where the ark had landed. Today we see that they migrated east. The word migrated literally means they pulled up their stakes. They, they landed in Shinar, or what we would refer to as Babylon. Have you ever moved... Ever pulled up your stakes? Ever, ever moved? Before I got married, I mean, moving was really quite easy. I would put everything in the back seat and I would go, you know. And then we got throw pillows and now it takes like a U-Haul, you know what I mean? <laughs> everything has to... I'm convinced that if I ever move again, nothing that I have is worth moving. You know, like it can just all stay. I'm selling the house, lock, stock. You can have it all. I don't want any of it. It's just too much of a pain. I thought that having somebody else would move us would make it easier, but it's just not. It's actually just more complicated. Like I just, I'm, I'm over it, you know. Can you imagine... Pulling up stakes. I mean, it's hard enough moving by yourself, but can you imagine if you moved with your family? Like, like your mom and dad, like your external family. Your... Imagine just for a second, though, not just your family. But imagine if, like, everybody in this room got up and moved. But imagine if... Everybody in your subdivision or everybody in St. Joe said, this city stinks. We're moving out of here. We're leaving town. They pulled up their stakes. I mean, imagine moving to a town like Albany, you know, or Mound City or, I mean, if everybody from St. Joe moved to Stanbury, you know, what would, what would we do? I mean, you have the complication of just moving, but there's nothing in Stanbury. I mean, why would anybody want to move to Stanbury? I mean, just think about this for a second. I mean, if everybody moved to that little town, just think about it. They don't have the infrastructure, friends. 
I mean, they don't have the school. They don't have the electricity. They don't have the houses. They don't have Target or Sam's Club or Hy-Vee. I mean, just think about that for a second. The complications of moving are bad enough as they are. If you're moving into a society and a city that can support, if you have a house there, it's stressful. But if you pick up lock, stock, and barrel and you say, I'm leaving, and everybody I know is moving with me to a town that there isn't a town, to a place where there isn't a city, there is no running water, there is no electricity, there is no house. I mean, these people were moving everything they had with everybody they knew, and there was nothing. They had to build a city. There, there wasn't a city to move to. In Genesis, there are four instances of people moving east. The first is Adam and Eve being removed from the garden, and they went east. When Lot left Abraham, he went east. When Abraham's son from the concubine left, he was sent east. When Jacob fled his homeland, he went to the people of who? The east. Each time movement was seen in Genesis, each time movement east was seen in Genesis, it was negative. They was actually not just moving east, they were moving away from God. Each and every time, it was seen as a move away from God. <laughs> this is true of Noah's descendants. As they went away from God's blessing and moved to an attitude of independence from God. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Friends, they could have done anything when they got there. I mean, they really could have. They, they had a clean slate. They could have done absolutely anything they wanted to. But this was their choice. Verse 4 tells of their sin. It's really in two parts. A tower, first a tower was built to the heavens. The building of the tower wasn't the problem. There was nothing wrong with building a structure. It was the foolishness of it all. To use brick instead of stone, but that's not the problem. The problem was their view of God. Is God confined to a, a single spot? Can God be reached just by building a tower? I mean, could God not be accessed on the ground? Is God so small that he has to, we have to build up to find him? Is God can find friends? Friends, no matter how hard you work, no matter how many bricks you make, 
No matter how many stones are moved, friends. There is nothing that you can do that's going to impress God. I mean, friends, the God that we worship created everything out of nothing in six days. I mean, he breathed into existence. I mean, he just spoke it, friends. Just think about that. I mean, he aligned the stars, the sun, the moon perfectly. I mean, just... <laughs> Do you really think our efforts on this earth is going to woo God over? He doesn't see our buildings. He doesn't see your creations and think, man, I love that guy so much more now that he built that. I love him so much more now that he did this. Oh, man, she is just, I mean, I, I can't, I love her now. Do you think that's how God works? That God sees your hard work and you earn his love? God doesn't love you anymore because of your I mean, that's not the God that we worship, friends. God loves you completely. There's nothing on this earth that you can do to make God love you any more than he already does. He loves you, and he wants to be near you. The God of all creation loves you, desires to have a relationship with you, friends. And there's nothing that you can do to make him love you, make him love you any more than he already does. That's the character of God. He's all in on you, friends. Completely, fully in love with you. Noah's descendants thought they could control God. And honestly, what they did is they created a God in their mind and tried to fit our God into this box. This is idol worship 101, friends. That's what they're doing. They're worshiping a created God that they made up in their mind. And they left behind the God of all creation. The second part of their sin is they said, let us make a name for ourselves. They wanted to be great. I know that this is a, a localized sin. This isn't a localized sin, rather. No one since hasn't tried to do this, has been guilty of it. We've all, at a certain point in our life, I think, we want to be great. I have a friend of mine that, never mind. A Christian artist that was popular when I was in college was a guy named Derek Webb. In one of his albums, he said that our biggest fear, and I'm going to just kind of paraphrase here, is that our biggest fear is that people might know who we truly are. But that the best thing that could possibly done, be done for us is that our sins would be revealed on the 5 o'clock news. You know, that people might know who you truly are. Why is there such a fear that people wouldn't know us? 
Why was there such a fear that people might understand who we are? Why is there such a fear that people might actually know that we sin? That we make mistakes that we're not? Why are we so concerned about our legacy? I think it comes back to this. We have a a great desire to be great, to become famous, to make our name great, to build a legacy for ourselves so that other people might remember us. People might think that we're better than we truly are. Ernest Hemingway said that every man has two deaths when he is buried in the ground and the last time someone says his name. He says, in some ways, men can be immortal. I mean, that sums it up, friends. We have this desire to be immortal, to not be forgotten, to be great. And I think Noah's descendants, they wanted to be immortal. They feared insignificance. They wanted to be remembered. They wanted to be, they wanted their name to be known. Unfortunately, they got their wish, but not in the way that they were hoping for they're not remembered for their, their greatness. They're remembered for their foolishness, for their folly. Verse 5, And the Lord came down to see, to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are of one, one people, and they have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will be now impossible come let us go down and confuse their language so that they may understand and may not understand one another's speech friends god is fully aware of our condition there's nothing that is done that god is like surprised by or he didn't see we he is fully aware at all times he doesn't need to come down to see our works this is being told as a narrative but god is fully aware he was fully aware of what was happening. Don't make any delusions about God's character in this passage. God wasn't concerned about man's power either. He wasn't, con- he wasn't concerned that he was going to be overruled. God was concerned about their heart. God was concerned about the condition of their heart. He was concerned about man. One commentator that I read this week said that God was concerned that man would throw away the notion of God and focus only on the desire to rule the universe. And as a result, they would become disillusioned and never return to God, that their hearts would become impenetrable and irredeemable. God acts not out of fear, but out of concern for his children. (laughs) Sometimes as a parent, you have to do something to your child for their own good. You have to discipline them. You have to correct them so that they do not make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Sometimes you discipline your child because you know if you don't, they're going to make a lot of mistakes in the future. It's going to harm them. And because you love them, you discipline them. What's going on and what God did in this passage of Scripture was 
for their own good. It was God doing something for them that they couldn't do for themselves. They didn't see it. They were blinded by their actions. They were just completely oblivious to what they were doing. So God did something for them that they couldn't do for themselves. He corrected their actions. This is called grace, friends. This is what God does for you when he disciplines you. It's an act of grace. It's God saying, I love you. Stop doing this. Let me help you. Let me smack you on the wrist. Hit you on the back of the head. Smack you on the bottom. Whatever it takes. Sometimes God disciplines us because he loves us. He does something for us that we can't do on our own. He gets us out of our own way. Why? Friends, because God loves you. And God desires to be near you. Who do you want to be near? What does God do here? Verse 8. The Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth and they led off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Chapter 11, if you go back to chapter 10, it, it really is after it's like a reverse. It's in the wrong order, you might think. But it's actually chapter 11. It's just explaining what happened in chapter 10. Don't get too worked up over it. The people were together, but God separated them because of their sin for their own good. He confused their language. He forced them to stop building the city, and he dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Friends, we have a, a, we have a lot of security we find a lot of security in, in physical things. Things like our house, our job, our bank account, our, our, the community that we live in, the schools that we send our kids to, the church that we go to. We find a lot of security in stuff that really doesn't matter all that much. I can't help but wonder how many people in this room God is calling into ministry. I can't help but wonder how many people in this room God called into ministry. Wednesday night Bible studies, uh, the men are going through this book called All In by Patterson. And uh, he asked the question, would you be willing to, to die for your faith? Uh, to be a martyr? I think the simpler question is, will you give up your house? Will you give up your dreams? Will you give up your job? Will you give up your legacy? Hmm. 
I think if we're honest, there's a lot of people here today uh, that have yet to die to give over everything that they have. When I was in college, uh, I went to this hayride uh, through our BCM, Baptist Collegiate Ministry, campus ministry that Kathy and I were involved with. And uh, went to this hayride and Kathy was there. And uh, we got on this hayride and Kathy sat right next to me. And I, I, I mean, I don't know if you could have fit a piece of paper between us. You know, we weren't dating at the time. But she got real close to me. This is a true story, too. Okay? No lies here. Real close. And, you know, I, I, I kind of liked it, to be honest with you. It, that night, she left a note on the windshield of my car. I don't forget what it said, but it wasn't like I hate you or anything. You know, and... Where I come from, that's, those are good signs, right? That a girl likes you. But like the next few days and weeks following, you would, you could easily confuse me with a cockroach. You know, like I was like a, a bug that she wanted to smash. Like I could do nothing right. I, I mean, there was nothing I could say or do I mean, right, period. I don't, I don't understand that, you know. Uh, ladies, I want you to hear me on this, okay? <laughs> I want you to just, my wife and I, we've been married for 13 years. And uh, like I, to this very day, I don't understand what goes on in her mind. I don't understand, and friends, like ladies, I want like your husband, like you all could be married forever, and like there is nothing that you do that your husband understands why you do the things that you do, or why you say, like, let me tell you why, because men are rational beings. We use <laughs> logic and reason, and like you are emotional. You're an emotional being, and we, we, don't, we don't deal with emotion. We don't. We, whenever we get emotional, we just suppress those things as much as we possibly can. We don't deal with that, but that's who you are. And we don't understand it. Like, I, I will never understand it. I, period. And yet, there isn't anything that my wife can do to make me not want to be near her. Like, I could, I could not understand her, and yet at the same time, I love her to death. And like, if I died today, I would be upset that I don't get to spend more time with her. 
Friends like that? There isn't anything that you can do on this earth that God's going to look at you and say, I don't want to be near you. God loves you. And he truly loves you. And some of the things that we do are just completely, like God looks at that and says, what is he doing? Sometimes God looks at you and says, what is, what is she doing? And he disciplines us and he, he corrects us and he, he tries to make it so that we are near him, that we don't forget about him. And as, as people of faith, like we have to understand that there isn't anything that we can do to earn God's love any more than we've already had it. It's our, like it's, our, it's a gift that God has given to us. We are children of God. At the same time, and in the same breath, like we have a responsibility to be faithful and true. To be honest with who we are. To follow him. Our security isn't found in the things of this world. It's found through our God. And God is calling us and he's moving us and he's shaking us. And friends, let me tell you something. If, if that's not enough, that the God of all creation desires to be near you, like I, don't, I don't have any other news for you today that's better than that right there. Like, the joy that we have in knowing that the day that we do die, we get to spend eternity with him. We get to spend eternity with the God of all creation. We're free of cancer. We're free of sickness. We're free of sin. Like, I cannot wait for that day when sin is no more. I mean, I, I long for that. I long for the day to be able to worship God and understand who he truly is and how much he loves me. Friends, God loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. He wants to be near you that much that he allowed his son to live a life that was sinless, without shame, without deceit, without anger, without... He lived this life. He came on this earth and he died a sinner's death so that you might be able to be near God for all of eternity. What else do you need? What other news can I share with you that's greater than the gospel of Jesus Christ? God loves you, friends. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have together, together in this place and to worship you. Father, we are so thankful that, that you love us and that you that you've sent your son Jesus to die for our sins and that you want to be near us. So, Father, I pray that you would just speak to us each today in such a way that we would understand that love, that desire, 
And Father, if there's someone here today that has not accepted Jesus, I pray that today is that day where they give their life over to you, where they become a follower of Jesus Christ, where they, they, they worship you in spirit and in truth as a, as a true believer. And Father, I, help me to get out of the way of this, Lord. Father, I pray that this time that we have will be a, a genuine time where people will respond to you. Father, speak to us today in a mighty way. And may you receive all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said.